Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak with Freebirth Society's Emily Saldea. We chat about Emily's journey to now, her 13 years of doula work, and how she got to where she is today with her Radical Birth Keeper School. We also chat about her epic 52-hour birth, feminism and birth, and the backlash she has received and how she deals with it. We end by talking about walking your talk, having integrity, and the hope for the future. A birth revolution is happening, and it starts with you. Okay. Well, welcome, Emily. I'm so excited to have you on here today. I have Emily Saldea from the Free Birth Society. Um, Emily, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, who your family is, what you do? <laughs> Where do I start? What do I do? Um, who am I? Who am I, Natalie? Um, I started a global virtual revolution called free birth society that's about three years old maybe a little longer it started with a podcast that was uh, primarily highlighting um, birth stories of women who had chose to birth outside the system and mm -hmm. that led into a big facebook group which then led into getting death threats which then led me into going underground with my membership which then led us into teaching courses and now we're in the inaugural program of our authentic midwifery school called the radical birthkeeper school um, so basically all of that is to say that that i run a company that educates and supports uh women through radical content and coaching um, who want to exercise autonomy who want to learn about what it means to take birth back who want to learn how to support other women to take birth back um Beautiful stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, so let's uh, talk about your journey to where you are today. Um, let's start with your own birth. How was that? It was amazing. It was up until that point, definitely the most spiritually decimating, humbling, ecstatic underworld <laughs> experience I had ever had. Um, I, I, I should, I should sorry. say, can I ask you I, what I mean is about your, when you were born to your, from your mother. Sorry. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I think for my mom, it was great. It was out of the hospital. It was with a birth center where she felt really safe and it was her second child and quick and, um, yeah, I think for her, it was great. Mm -hmm. you know, I know she was cut. Um, that wouldn't have I been great. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how people frame things. But yeah, I think for her, right? yeah, the experience was great. I think they broke my waters. Um, she had her one and only out-of-body experience with me when she was pushing. That's mm -hmm. kind of always what stood out to me. That's cool. Um, yeah, but but more importantly... I would say I grew up with a really positive birth story at my back and yep. positive postpartum at my back. And my mom never said anything um, other than total awe and beauty and celebration of what motherhood was for her. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that has greatly informed who I am and, and, and what I'm doing. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Okay. And then how did you get into birth work? Like how old were you? What were you doing? 
Well, I dropped out of high school and moved to LA when I was 16 and wanting to take an infant massage training. And then the very, very fast cliff notes here are the infant massage training led me into volunteering with babies who were in hospice and who who also were not in hospice, but hospice, but were high needs and had had open heart surgeries and were finally coming home. So I, in a way, I mean, that was the start. It feels like a real continuum for me. It's hard for me to actually find where I feel like my birth work started because I was that girl in the neighborhood that was babysitting everybody. And I was always obsessed with birth and I always wanted to have my own children. And I used to be the very weird, you know, 11 year old telling my friends about conscious conception. And so, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I am this, I have always been this. Uh, I, I attended my first birth when I was almost 18. Okay. Um, so maybe that's where it started, but, but yeah, I, it kind of always was with me. Yeah. Beautiful. And then how old were you when you officially became a doula? Did you do a training course or what did you do? I had attended a handful of births prior to taking a training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started using that title after I took the training and then it took me 10 years to regret ever using that word and yeah. to deny everything I had learned. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Well, okay. So again, kind of the short version, because this is an enormous topic. I mean, I'm basically condensing 10 years of, of yeah. hundreds of, of births in the system and, and being having you know just so much trauma around what I witnessed and mm. um, processing that and not having any mentors who were radicalized and everyone around me was a part of the system, but they all thought they were kind of working against it. So it was yeah. really confusing. And I know a lot of doulas understand this. And this is one, one of the things I talk about you know, a lot on my own podcast. So everyone can go listen to me in more depth over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the nutshell version is I was a doula. I was very successful, very busy. Um, and also, um, trying to figure out what it meant to attend women while they were abused yeah, and understanding in some gross way that home birth was the gold standard. So trying to like chase the home births, but then watching all those end in sabotage. Mm-hmm. And so now in hindsight, of course I have so much more clarity around it, but basically I had like a booming business for over a decade in, in Los Angeles Um, attending a ton of births and not having the tools or language or community to process what I was seeing. So I fell for the lie that so many doulas, if not almost all doulas have fallen for, which is that we are somehow helping when in fact, what we're helping is um, to sustain the very system that on all, you know, on some deep level, I think most of us understand needs to crumble and die and and never come back. But this idea that is unsustainable, that we can provide heroic, you know, relief to these women and at least be there to witness their trauma so that we can help them, you know, what, send them to a support group. It just, (laughs) I was so young that I didn't see it. Yeah. you know, and I, I didn't understand feminism yet. I was yeah. so young. I mean, I left home when I was 16. Yeah. Um, so part of why I am so kind of obsessed with my work in the world mm. now or so committed to it, so devoted to it, um, and that, that I keep kind of scaling it in, in impact mm-hmm. is so that women who want to kind of bypass some of my mistakes will mm. hopefully be able to and to connect the dots faster for um, 
for people because I didn't have anyone to do that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the analogy you used in one of your podcasts, which I thought was really good. It's like supporting your friend to go on a date, which, you know, the man is going to abuse her or sexually abuse her, rape her, you know, all this stuff that happens in birth. And, you know, I think you said, it's well, exactly least... the same. Yeah, it's not yeah. even an analogy. Like yeah, it is, that. is the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. At least I was there to witness the abuse and it's like, well, how can you support that at all? Yeah. You really have, the way you can support it is you really have to believe that that's enough. Yeah. You have to believe as the doula that it is enough and you have to have some sort of cognitive dissonance happening which this is not even like a judgment like i was this person for so long i get it yeah. and it is how the doula trainings are fed to you and yeah it's very complex there's a whole there's a whole self-importance um you know to, to young women starting out having their own businesses and there's a whole uh, conformity, you know, in the culture around it. And when you are that black sheep that starts to go to free births and stuff, how quickly that changes is super interesting. And, yeah. um, I mean, meaning like the social dynamics, like I literally had a woman one time when I told her I would free birth my baby uh, at like a doula meet and greet in LA, she yep. actually picked up and sat on the other side of the table away from me. <laughs> like that was it. I was like, Oh, well that's really symbolic of where I'm heading. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah it can be too much for some people I, I was at a party the other day talking about my podcast and free birth and the person I was talking to was literally backing away as <laughs> totally. I was talking to them and I was like whoa I'm too much for you okay um but well and I would kind of counter that with like all that this is is a discussion and shining light on female oppression yeah that's it and, yeah. and I get that plenty of people are comfortable with this dynamic and to critique it literally shakes the entire foundation of their life. And that's the fucking point. Yes. And so back away from me, please. If you, if you don't want to go there at the party, that's fine. Cause this is where I am and this is where I'm committed to be. Yeah. And also that, you know, I'm not going to hide my truth and what I believe is happening. It needs to happen. It needs to change. And people need to hear this. And, you know, this is why I'm doing my podcast and obviously why you do what you do, because, well, I, I, like I was saying to you just a little bit earlier, there is a revolution happening. Like it is starting to roll so fast. I mean, in my little community and yes, the birth world is still pretty fucked um, overall, but slowly, slowly by doing what you're doing, what I'm doing, it's just going like this, like, and more and more people are seeing the light and, you know, obviously COVID and all that is um, opening people's eyes as well. And yeah, it, it really, really um, gives me so much hope for birth. And I'm so excited in my lifetime where birth is going to go. <laughs> yeah, and it starts with all of us, you know, so we are the revolution, you know, exactly. By birth, you are the revolution that you want to see in the world. And, and with me, same. And that what I love about birth work in particular is that we don't actually have to do anything like you can, the revolution is in your home. It's in your yeah. body. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's not like we have to go create anything. Even, even that, that line that you just said about, you know, that, that, that we need to change it is like, do yeah. we, I don't know. I, it's almost yeah. like this, this realizing the, the, the deeper I get into this, that, we are our reality, right? Yes. And what you said before we started recording, 
we are the revolution. Yes. It is it. And everyone around us is affected by that. And so this real shift out of agenda, which was largely my experience as a doula, trying to convince people, trying to save people into just being totally solid and curious and committed to um, myself and, and light and, and love yeah. and, and what is good, um, has just that it's just so beautiful because that has created a whole nother, uh, paradigm of impact. Mm. And yes. it's really that women are always, it's not unique to now women are always ready to come home to themselves yeah. and a podcast can help provide that an Instagram page and a hashtag can provide that all the way to, you know, birth trauma. And then being like, fuck that. I'm not going back there. Like women are, this is the spiritual journey of, of coming home and not everyone's going to do it in this lifetime. And that's, that's for them to, to navigate with their soul's contract. But, but yeah, we are the revolution. It's literally happening. And so of course we see it because we're at the center of our own revolution and women can join us in this, or they can go do something else. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's um so yeah so interesting how it's how it's happening. But um let's talk about yeah get back to your birth. So your birth of your daughter. Um, you started talking about how it was for you. Um, do you want to continue about that? Yeah. What do you want to know? Um. So I guess I would be really interested to hear your perspective now because how old is your daughter she's what around two or something is she two and a half yeah two and a half um i don't know for me the further i get away from my births and the more that i learn as a person the more perspective i have and i wanted to see how you have uh reflected on that birth and um maybe uh what and i think you've mentioned this what you needed or what you would do differently next time not that it was bad or wrong or anything like that but what have you learned from that birth i guess mm-hmm. yeah one big thing i learned was a blind spot i had that i didn't know i had which is why it's called blind spot obviously so my big demise in my birth was completely underestimating how long of the time it would be yeah um i had a unconscious belief meaning I really wasn't aware of it that I realized afterwards that I had made an unconscious conclusion that because I wasn't afraid, because I had no one there who would sabotage me and because, um, you know, I was familiar with birth, it would therefore be less than 24 hours. Yeah. I don't know why I made that up. That is so so silly and so completely counter to everything I actually know about mm-hmm. birth, which is you're going to get the birth you, you know, that you call in basically. Yeah. Um, Do you but... think your years of um, watching abuse in the system? Yes. You had this unconscious fear because no. I- you, even though you might have thought you processed it, you've seen just so much stuff. I would say it was less about fear and it was more just about programming around Yeah, programming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I never felt afraid. That really wasn't a fear. Wasn't the thing that I, I never felt like anything was wrong. I just, okay. There's a couple pieces to this and I don't, they, they kind of, I don't know really which order they would go in, but there is an order here. One is the real truth of this is that I, 
should have and wish I had um, and undervalued the the real need that a, especially a first-time mom in a long labor has around that wise woman, the shamanic woman to help orient me to what was happening. So when I did reach that point of being upside down and mm-hmm. not knowing you know, what the heck was going on, I didn't have anyone there to orient me to that and to be like, this is it. (laughs) This is it. This is a part of the thing. And I really feel very confidently that if I had just had that, Mm -hmm. um, the birth would have looked a little different. And I also absolutely love my birth story and it's quite victorious and it's quite, um, it's a pretty epic story. It was 52 hours and I, you know, cliff notes, I got it in my head that maybe I have swollen cervix because it was taking so long. So, um, and then I went to the hospital, got checked, found out I was complete and, oh, sorry. Is that me or you? I think you, but I don't know. I don't know where that, I've never heard that noise before. (laughs) Um, (laughs) found out, you know, that from a vaginal exam that I thought I wanted and needed, uh, that everything was fine. And then I signed AMA and, and came home and had my baby about an hour later. But, um, part of that was, in, in the deconstruction of this, I had never seen a birth go that long without it being epically pathologized. Yeah. And so they, I think just, I didn't have a reference point in my, you know, yeah. In my just, you know, what, at that point, 13 years of birth attending. Um, yeah. So that was really beautiful, actually. That really, taught me something big and it went on to inspire the birth of the school Yolanda and I have created the radical birth keeper school because what I find to be increasingly true with the hundreds and hundreds of women I interview and talk to and read their stories and um, coach and all of that is that you know the vast majority of first-time moms would like a guide and the vast majority of first-time moms who want to birth outside the system can't find that what I would call an authentic midwife mm-hmm. and so I would have loved that, you know, someone who had been truly loyal to me, understood that I was, you know, the leader and also wasn't going to be afraid or pathologize me when I lost my mind and went to the underworld. Um, Who who did you have there? You did have people there, but they hadn't had kids or they weren't in the birth world necessarily. Is that right? Yeah. No. Yeah, they weren't. I had my partner and I had my sister and then I had a good friend of mine. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, and I had specifically chosen two women who weren't authorities in birth. Yes. I wanted that because I wanted them to be like handmaidens of the birth that were just keeping my water fill and making sure that Johnny ate food, you know, but, but I also didn't know. And had I birthed less than 24 hours, I wouldn't have needed the thing that I wound up needing because I was fine until about 48 hours when I wasn't sure if I was fine. Mm-hmm. And when I hit that part, um, I really could have used someone to look at me and go, girlfriend, this is it. Um, yeah. but instead I went to the place that I knew at least I could get some false sense of, of, you know, grasp of anything. And, uh, you know, I was only there for like a half hour, but, um, but it was really awesome actually. I mean, I yeah. don't want to do that again. I can't claim I had an undisturbed birth. I definitely did not have an undisturbed birth cause I got in the car and I went to the hospital and I got a vaginal exam and then I came back home. Um, but I also love it. I love the story. Yeah. And there's just so much wisdom in that story. Like you say, you kind of called that in for whatever reason and you learned so much from it. And I always think that Mm -hmm. with my 
first birth, which was the home birth transfer, I was like, yeah, I, I could totally get why I called that in and why I needed it and mm -hmm. where I am today. And, yeah. and I didn't have any trauma. So I'm super grateful for that because yep. it was all kind of on my own accord. And then I got really lucky at the hospital. So no one fucked with me. No one called CPS. No one drug tested me. Not that that would have been a problem, but just like no one, no one messed with me. I, yeah. I called the shots the entire yeah. time and then I left. So that is a unique experience. And I don't want people listening to think that that is how it goes because that's really not how it goes. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I had spent, you know, over a decade working the hospital system for my clients. So I do think that was a big part of it, but it, I will say one part that sucked was I was high as shit in transition, getting out of the car, heading into ER at like three in the morning. And I remember being like, now is the time that I am the warrior. And I was tripping my face off. I was so high and like visually tripping. And I put on this cloak of battle you know armor yeah. energetically on me and was like i'm it, it's like it's like trying to talk to the cops when you're on drugs or something yeah like i was talking like very serious and but i was hardly even in my body i so know exactly I, what you mean because that happened so to really me as look, well yeah i look forward to next time where that's yeah. not gonna happen where i get to just go all in oh yeah it's so amazing when you yeah yeah, because I had exactly that experience. I transferred uh, in transition and the, uh, uh, my boy was born 20 minutes later. And I just thought it was phenomenal because, yeah, exactly at home, I was in this kind of real trippy kind of space. And I got there. And it's like what you say, you suddenly like trying to be sober when you're drunk. <laughs> and I just switched. And it was actually really sad that I had to come out of that because I came into my thinking brain and I was completely coherent before I couldn't even speak. And then I was suddenly like, okay, what do you need me to do? Blah, 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 blah. Now I'm going to uh, battle with you about what I want, what I don't want, rah, rah, rah. And it was just really sad that that got ripped away from me. Um, but then the second time it was the complete opposite and it was just, yeah, fucking amazing. I was like, yes, this is what I um, <laughs> missed out on the first time. But, um, you know, it's all, it's all experience and it, you know, I did call that in for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to get that experience the second time around. And yeah, oh, so nice. So good. So I'm excited for you and your second baby, Emily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now talk to me about what you see happening in the world, birth world and free birth world, because before you, there was obviously a movement for unassisted birth. There's Laura Shanley. There's, you know, a few books out there, but, um, you, I mean, I am just so amazed by you. I mean, how you have changed the face of birth in yeah, the past three years. I just think, okay, it's still small, but it is gathering momentum. Um, and yeah, you've just provided such an amazing resource to women to just get them thinking differently. Um, and, I think all women innately know this in themselves, but they, yeah, like you said, don't have the language around it. And it's like, yeah, when someone shines the light on something, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, that makes so much logical sense. Um, but yeah, where do you see, or how have you seen the birth world change um, since you started doing this? 
Well, it's always kind of weird to answer this question because I'm obviously the center of my own yes. like, reality, you know? Yes. So I, I only see it from how, where I sit in the world. Um, and I act, and I don't know, cause I, of course we could never really know what is my influence and what is everything else, mm-hmm. but the term free birth, the term radical birth keeper, the term wild mothering, like the language that I'm seeing all over social media is new. Definitely Mm -hmm. from, from, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's from everything we've been doing. Um, So that's, and the reason I go there first is that language is so important and language is quite revolutionary. It it also in, in the ways that we see it trend and, and go about. And so the fact that like I'm seeing websites around the the world that will say things like planning a home birth or a free birth. Mm -hmm. That was not going on three years ago. I I didn't see that. Um, So I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, it's maybe seems like a small thing, but it's actually a really big thing that it's just kind of becoming normal in the zeitgeist of, of, of our conversations. Um, Kind of like how doula, the word doula was, you know, 15 years ago was not a household word and yep. now in developed countries it it is yeah um anyway so what was the question oh <laughs> just to, how, how do you yeah how do you yeah what, what 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 is your hopes and uh wants for the for the birth world and for yeah women i mean yeah to people say birth world so, means women yeah so I <laughs> well mean, it means I, people really because uh <laughs> People are born yeah, of women. women. Women birth the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think really simply, it's it's just for women to keep coming home to themselves and mm. to find that, however it is. And I feel so just deeply in awe that I get to be a part of that, and that it's so clear for me, and that I have just this innate courage to stand in the fire and, and mm-hmm. do this kind of, kind of work um, because it's lighting so many other women's fires. And, yeah. and that's the shift, you know, when we do this together. So I mentioned agenda earlier, like, I don't, I, it's so, it's so cool. I don't feel like I'm trying to do anything. And that wouldn't be true if I had said that five years ago, but mm-hmm. I very intentionally started this whole thing with free birth society um, in that energetic field. You know, I had done, I had, it had been, I had started a couple companies already. I had run a nonprofit for years in LA um, in the birth world. And, and I just felt done with trying. And mm-hmm. then as I was getting close to wanting to call in my baby, I thought about that language a lot because people say, trying to have a baby. And I was always like, no, that doesn't feel like what's happening at all. Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm open and I'm talking and with her and, and it didn't feel like trying. So I went to India on a, on a bit of a, like a maiden yantra before I uh, called my daughter in and, and that's a really special place for me. And I've, I've spent a lot of significant time there in my life as a young woman. And, um, 
just kind of spent some time alone and kind of did my thing there and, and sat with that a lot of like, what am I, what am I doing? What does this next phase look like as I enter motherhood? And it's, it's my turn now in my mm. life. I've been supporting mothers my whole life and it was my turn to walk into this. And, um, it was just really beautiful how my motherhood journey and the birth of free birth society were one big thing, right? The first mm. season of the podcast tracks my pregnancy, though yeah. I don't talk about it all that much, but it, it was tracking for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, this real shift out of in my twenties, this like sense of trying and convincing and, mm. and self-righteousness and yeah. not to say I don't have that anymore, but, um, yeah. and it just feels different now. It feels like I'm really easefully in my Dharma and mm-hmm. things are easy and I'm yeah. really open to them being easy. And I've done a tremendous amount of, work with my own, you know, teachers and my own self and my own brain and, and really to open up to what does it mean to live in a consciousness of abundance and allyship and presence and sisterhood and, and all of these things go together into what I'm doing right now. So my work is so integrated into who I am. Like there's no way to separate it, you know, like I don't work. Yes. You know, I mean, I have like hours where I stop being on the computer so that I could, you know, look yeah. into my kids' eyes with presents. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so I, I, I guess that's kind of where I go to with it is my, my hope is just, um, is just to, just to watch what's happening and just be in gratitude of it and to keep going, you know, and, and to keep doing my work so that I have the inner resources to, um, keep leading in the ways that I am because most importantly, you know, and, and kind of matriarchal leadership, you know, you see this in all different iterations that when one woman leads, a lot of women start leading and that's what we need. And so I just feel very vitalized by that. And to actually see it now a couple of years deep really happening and this school that Yolanda and I are doing is like a whole nother level of watching these 50 women just blast off, you know, and be so ready for this. And it's just incredible. I'm just, I'm just basically trying to keep up with with all the magic. (laughs) How fast it's going. Yeah, it's great. Um, Let's talk about how you handle the criticism that people have thrown at you. Um, How, how do you deal with it? How do you stay, stay centered and, um, yeah, well, I have a couple core practices, core kind of psychological tools that, um, that are tremendous, Mm -hmm. tremendously helpful. So, um, I'm really good at getting back into my own business and defining like whose business I am in when I'm suffering and typically when I'm suffering, I'm in someone else's business, meaning what someone else thinks about me. Um, and that helps me not take things personal, but like for real, not take it personal, like actually step out of that and just really feel what is mine and what isn't mine. The other big thing is I'm in integrity with myself. Mm -hmm. And so there really isn't the only thing that someone could say that would really rock me for real, for real, like in a big way 
would probably be to highlight something that I'm not in integrity about, like where I felt like I really effed up or something. Yeah. And so as long as I'm not doing that, which thankfully hasn't happened, you know, the attacks are like that I kill babies. Yeah. Okay. That was really, really hard to go through. And I received death threats for months and um, very, very scary stuff in my life happened. Um, it's not a small thing at all, but at the same time, it was really for me and it really taught me how important what I'm doing is. And, and so every year there's different iterations of attacks, but the attacks are all virtual and haters are going to hate. I don't know. I mean, I just, I really feel at peace with the reality that in a patriarchal world um, that is completely dependent on people's allegiances to the system, anyone, and it's not just women, any free thinkers that rock that um, get tried to be silenced. Like that's just a part of the deal. And I accept yeah. that. I'm open to it not always being like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I go through waves. Like I recently at the beginning of June, stuff got pretty pretty intense for me on online and I went off Instagram for a couple of weeks just to just to not see death threats for a little while and yeah. you know so I do those things when I need to but yeah. I'm I don't hesitate to like I also don't live with any sh like a lot of shoulds mm -hmm. you know like oh I should stay on Instagram even while this is happening like fuck that I this is my like who cares it's it's, yeah. it's Instagram like I'll do whatever I want exactly so, I yeah. always come back to that. And I have a super solid support system and I really just feel like it's all good. It's, it's all reflections of where people are at and it all gets to be here. Yeah. Not that it's like great. It totally sucks and is shocking sometimes, but ever, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So yeah. I always kind of go back to that. Like this recent one that yo and I went through was like, okay, are any of the people who are hating on us, like successful, happy, healthy people? No? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. then we're good. Like, yeah. this is just expressions of people's, you know, like self-hatred. Yeah. It was interesting. I was saying to you before, after Yolanda's in interview, I got some pushback and I'm um, on Instagram. People, yes, accusing um, Yolanda of being racist, blah, 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 which I do not believe is true. But I mean, it was really interesting for me to deal with that because I believe in free speech and I believe those people have the right to say that because that's their truth. And I just ended the conversation. And you, and you have the right to delete it. <laughs> yeah, I had the right to delete it, but I actually left it all up there because um, I, I think it's really important to have a discourse because I said to them, okay, if Yolanda is racist, let's say she's racist, right? Do you think it's gonna change anything by us pointing the finger and saying, no, Yolanda's no lo longer ever allowed to speak. Um, this doesn't create a discourse. It doesn't, if I tell someone they're racist, they're sexist, they're misogynist, I, I don't change their thinking by shutting them down and never letting them speak. We don't change the world's thinking by doing this. We have to have a discourse where people are allowed to speak and then things start to change from that. If we just shut people down, nothing changes. And I ended the conversation with the lady. I said, thank you for uh, standing up for what you believe in, because I think that's important. If she believes in that, she should, uh, again, the only thing I would say is as long as everybody is respectful. And, um, well, where's that line? Is it respectful to call someone a white supremacist? Exactly. Yeah. And so I said, <laughs> I don't believe that's true, but I think if she wants to say it, 
go for it because you're going to get the feedback and people are going to see who she is for speaking like that, you know? Um, so I think it's important to leave it up there so people can actually see the language and people can see through stuff. Um, anyway. Some yeah. people. Yeah, and I actually don't think it's about, you know, the people who are who are just throwing that stuff out. I think it's much more about that mob mentality of like clamoring for a sense of power. And I think there's mixed in with jealousy and rumors and gossip and the addiction to drama and the, that combination online is so easy. Um, and then it's, it's also about the whole like cancel culture. It's not, it is about deplatforming. It's, it's not about discourse and free speech. And like, we're not talking about the same values here. For anyone who would go onto other people's pages and just talk shit about people they don't know mm-hmm. and that's not even interesting that's that's the yeah. thing i always go back to is like these people don't even know me so i i would care if my friends came to me and were like hey we got to talk about some stuff you're doing okay i want to hear that because mm-hmm. they're coming to me in good faith yeah you know they're coming to or even people in my community online but when people are just out to like dog on each other mm-hmm. like I dropped out of high school. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. want to go back to that low vibration, <laughs> boring ass behavior. It's just, it couldn't be less interesting. Um, yeah. yeah so yeah. sad for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I was going to ask about feminism in birth, because this is a really interesting one. I think um, <laughs> people could be feminists and then they come to birth and it all goes out the window. Um mm-hmm. And I think it's just phenomenal that, yeah, there's that blind spot for so many women where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a hardcore feminist, except when it comes to birth, I'll do exactly what the patriarchy says. You know, it's like, I'm like, these women are like, I'm pro-choice. Like, I will, I will fight to my death for your right to terminate a pregnancy. But when you want a birth without a doctor... Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like the cognitive dissonance is, 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 is truly shocking. Yeah. It's, it is really, really interesting, but all it is, is just their own ignorance and their own brainwashing and their own fears and, uh, you know, their own blind spots, which we all have them. So, yeah. And look, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, Yolanda and I both often say that birth is the last frontier of, of feminism yes. because it is so bizarre how not talked about birth is when everybody gets born you don't get out of birth everybody gets born and most women high number i don't know the statistic right now off the top of my head but the vast majority of females will have children so this is such a uh communal issue and yet it it really to me my interpretation of it is, is it is it really highlights our indoctrination, you know, yep. that women are walking around thinking they're feminists. And we see this in like the yoga world, you know, people walking around thinking they're these enlightened gurus and then they go in for their inductions. Yes. Like, okay. Well, I don't know what all that spiritual training was for. <laughs> yeah. I had that with my yoga teacher back before I had kids in my twenties and she was having a baby. And, um, I said, you know, where are you having it? Was at the hospital. I was like, why didn't you have it at home? She's like, oh, 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 and she was really confronted by it. She, oh, my sister nearly died in hospital. So if she'd been at home, blah, blah, you know, the same old story. And I was like, so or you she don't. Di- almost died because she was in the hospital. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And um, I said, do you um, not trust your body? Like, it's so weird. Yeah, exactly this. Like, 
I kind of respected on her on so many levels about the trust in her body and health that, you know, but then she was going to the hospital. Funnily enough, though, that little conversation with mine, I, I never saw her again after that. Um, she ended up having a home birth. I was like, fuck yeah. So I don't know if it was that conversation or not. Um, yeah, but she actually started to question, you know, what she was doing. So that was quite cool. Um, yeah. And I should say here for anyone like massively triggered by this topic is I just want to say here that to my mind, the whole point at this stage of culture at this time, because I do think it could and should and will be better later. But right now, from the feminist perspective that I hold, it is about choice. Mm -hmm. And when I say that I am for women in their autonomy, that includes all of the choices. So yes. that includes the right to terminate a pregnancy. That includes the right to schedule a C-section. Yes. That includes, um, you know, the right to vaccinate, the right to not vaccinate, da, 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 yes. da, da. So yes. I, I, I really, really trust women, not that they sh are going to make this air quotes right decision. Cause that's not a thing that's totally subjective, but that they can be trusted to calculate their own assessments of what they're dealing with in life and what they're up for and, yes. and, and what they need. And to, and that as a society, I want to see women be supported to exercise that intuition. And so what I suspect yes. would happen from that then is we would get into a new layer of feminism where women are, um, you know, come really coming home to trusting themselves and uh, making more instinctual decisions, and we yes. would see less scheduled C sections or whatever. Yeah, um, but, yeah, but I it think... all starts with women first need to be centered in their own lives. Crazy exactly. idea, and yeah. be able to actually be communal commu communities have community support. Uh, to actually step into motherhood. Mm -hmm. The problem with that, obviously, is that there's no incentive to do that in a patriarchal society that completely rests on women being broken, women doubting themselves, mm -hmm. women um, you know, being subordinate. And so this whole notion that a woman making her own decisions is so fucking radical in a <laughs> in such a misogynistic world that this is where we have to start. And it's, it's utterly mind blowing that this is where we have to start that women actually don't have human rights mm -hmm. the world over in the wealthiest countries, in the poorest countries, everywhere, even, you know, that, that we know like yoga leaders and, and people still going in and listening to their shitty doctor that hates them. Like this is what's happening. And so we have to start where we are. And, and to my mind, the less resistance I have and the more I accept, this is where we are. So let's roll our sleeves up and get to work with where we are because I can see the long game. And, and like we talked about how we, we are the revolution. We can see the revolution happening within us and around us. You know, the long game is fucking contagious. The more that women wake up and the more power, the less makeup, the less we shave, the less bullshit we take, the less shitty food we eat. Like it all happens together, the more powerful we feel. And so here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so beautiful. Um, Emily, thank you. I think we're going to end there. That was just, yeah, a really beautiful note to end on. Um, <laughs> Viva revolution. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just such a exciting time. And 
Yeah, I just even see from my two births how far, yeah, the world has come. Yeah, like you say, free birth wasn't a thing five years ago. Well, it was a thing, but, you know, it wasn't. No, it wasn't a thing on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Let's it, put it that way. Yeah. Women have always been free birthing. Of course, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't in the psyche of social yeah. media of uh, a lot a of women. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just remember for me um, hearing somebody who had free birthed uh, before I had my first, actually, and I thought she was crazy. Um, maybe I didn't think she was crazy, but I, I was curious about it. I remember hearing her stories and I was really fascinated, but I thought, oh yeah, you know, that's kind of, let's put that over there for the hippies. They're the um, alternative thinkers. And then ironically, people have said that to me, like a friend of mine that's um, having a free birth now. She said after your free birth, I thought, oh, that's interesting that Nat's done that, but I don't think I could ever do it. But how fast she's come is that now she's decided for herself to have a free birth. And it's like amazing just how, yeah, fast this line this is going. this is the coming home. Yes, exactly. This is it because it's not about some outside thing. It's this is sisterhood that when yes. you live your truth, exactly, the women around you see that it's okay. They yes. see that, that, you know, this can happen and they see yes. the benefits of it. And so it's contagious in just the most beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing just more and more. It's like, walk your talk, have integrity. Um, and it's, it is really just so simple. And yeah, that is mm-hmm. the revolution. Um, because oddly, maybe sadly, that gives other women permission to do what they well, know is true for themselves or right for totally. themselves. And it's a big unraveling because we're trained on such a deep level to care what other people think, but then the things that other people think are anti-woman. And yes. so the more you you know, take away these layers and the less you need security control and, and approval outside. And the more that you, and this is the the spiritual journey, right? For all of us, not just Mm -hmm. females, the more that we understand that we generate security approval and control from within ourselves, those layers just start to fade away and they actually hold less significance. So I would say that for me in my life right now, um, so many people on this planet dislike me. (laughs) So many people because the bigger my voice is, the greater my impact, um, the more people hate me. And, and I just think that's so beautiful. And I think that's so totally okay because, um, I, I really just couldn't care less. And so the, the more that I generate security control approval inside myself, the more powerful I feel, the more strong, the stronger my voice is. And then all these other women wake up. And so I totally know this is right for all of us who are walking this, um, because it's in sisterhood. It is Mm -hmm. in love. It is in freedom. It is in matriarchal, um, you know, uh, tenants, you know, and so I'm down with that. However it looks. Yeah. Beautiful. Great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love you, Emily. Love your work. Love what you do. Um, love your passion, your integrity. It was beautiful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks girlfriend. (laughs) Take care. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as the Renegade Mama podcast or on Insta as the underscore Renegade underscore Mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co. And there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes and much more. 
The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.